Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Everybody, this is the Sporting Edge, and we are coming to you this week, coast to coast. My co-host is in L.A. right now. Roz, what's going on? Actually, for the time being, I'm in Arizona. I need to add a wow. new state because we've already done the show from California. So now we're doing the show from Arizona. Arizona, what a place yes. to be! And you know, this week is one of the greatest weeks I think all year in sports. I mean, we had NHL starting a couple days ago. We've got the NBA preseason, and that's Basically, all I have to say about that, because we have the most exciting postseason, in my opinion, the MLB playoffs. We are deep into the college and NFL seasons. And Roz, I know we want to talk baseball first. So let's start breaking down these playoff games. Yeah, it's uh, quarters in session. The judges arrive. And I honestly got judges going to be the best player of all time. Let me just put that out there. Amazing game in game one. And I know we're going to allude to the pitching issues really for every single team through the wild card performances. But Aaron judge came to play. He was two for four. He had three runs and a home run himself. So really it was an impressive outing by the New York Yankees winning this game eight, four, you know, we, we have a soft spot in Xander for the twins. It was kind of, it was hard to watch them lose. We propelled their success this year, bringing them to the postseason. but it's time for the Yankees to move on and take on the Indians who got the upper hand, but we'll bring that up a little bit later. Right, so as you guys know, we record on Friday, so we are one day behind in the playoffs, but what we have seen so far is that the starting pitching in the postseason has been brutal so far. I can record one quality start, um, and that was from Trevor Bauer of the Indians as they shut out the Yankees in Game 1 of the ALDS on Thursday night. Um, obviously, we're one game into each series and you know we've got more games that have been played but like you said the Yankees great performance in that wild card game they got down three three nothing early and if you told me that Luis Severino was only going to get one out recorded in that game I would have had a hard time believing that the Yankees would come back and win but what we did see was one of the major factors of their success this year was that bullpen. One of the best bullpens in the league. I'd probably rank it second best to the Cleveland Indians, but eight and two-thirds innings from that bullpen, one run the rest of the way. They won the game, like you said. Aaron Judge went deep, 
fantastic performance by him and the Yankees as a whole. And like I said, we don't know the results of game two, but they had a rough game one. Trevor Bauer pitched absolutely spectacular. And kind of a question mark that Corey Kluber didn't get the start, but you know they were saying he wanted to go on normal rest and possibly get a start in games two and five if necessary. So, I mean, the Cleveland Indians are sitting pretty right now. Yeah, let me say that I think that was arguably the, um, the must-win of the series for the Yankees. You've got Sonny Gray on the mound going up against Trevor Bauer, who is not their ace. And yeah, I think in some sense he's saying that he wanted to go on full rest. A little bit of a strategy play by the Indians not putting their ace up against the Yankees' non-ace either. I think Sonny Gray should have gone in there and pitched better. Obviously, sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off, and unfortunately it led to a 4 nothing loss on the day. But that was a game I think the Yankees needed to take. Their offense needed to step up. It was not there. I think they threw a lot of their juice out in that first wild card game. Obviously, we saw Gregorius and Gardner hit home runs as well against the Twins. But now I think in, in steady control is the Indians. They're going to put Kluber on the mound, who I think was the best pitcher down the stretch and is probably the most scary pitcher to see. Right. But you and, saw and what I, the Indians did last year with him, kind of overusing him, and that's what led to the Cubs being able to get to him. So I think they might be taking a step back from that this year. Right, and I don't disagree with what they're doing. I mean, what they did last year. I mean, they were you know basically one, one out away from winning the World Series and in that great comeback that they had in Game 7. But Corey Kluber, I think, undoubtedly is going to win the AL Cy Young, and you've seen what the guy does in the playoffs. I mean, he, he, almost automatic last year and carried that into this season. But I think we got to talk about the other wild card game, a crazy, crazy game, and I had Arizona on the run line, so I was sweating the entire night because they kept going back and forth, and at 6 nothing, I was feeling really good, and that game just went back and forth. Archie Bradley with the huge two-run triple, they give it up, they get a couple runs back, and Nolan Arenado's at the plate when they're down two. A crazy game, but... Uh, just another great wild card game with Colorado. Are you telling me you took the Arizona run line? I did take the run line. Unbelievable. We were we were on opposite ends there to start the week. You said you were taking the Rockies. I, right. going I, I changed my mind as uh, as the time went by. I just felt that you know Arizona was just a little bit better, and you know, like I said before, the starting pitching was was bad. I mean, Zach Greinke was given a six nothing lead and falls apart in the fourth inning. That really wasn't part of the plan, but a lot of offense, a lot of home runs, and you know I think this sets. And up how about for, your boy stepping up in that game? Just starts off with a bang. Paul Goldschmidt finally on national television in a wild card series goes yard just like he's been doing all year. It was the first time he'd been seen on TV. He is the MVP. You know what? I don't think Goldschmidt wins the MVP. I think it's going to be awfully close, but. You look at the NL, you've got, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, who hit 59 home runs. I, I just don't know if you can give it to anybody but him. Um, you look at the war leaders. It's funny, uh, Giancarlo Stanton was actually tied for first place in war with Anthony Rendon of the Washington Nationals. Now, I, I they don't do the MVP strictly on war, which I think they should, because if we're talking about value, pure value to a team, I think that is the best way to measure but beside the point, um, I think Chris Bryant has an outside shot. Uh, didn't really do anything spectacular this year, but had another great year. Uh, so I, I think I think it's got to go to Stanton. But like you said, I think people lean towards the playoff teams, picking a guy off one of those teams. 
which I think is you know a little bit unfair because I think you can see a guy could bring val- more value to a team even if they don't make the playoffs. But you know that's a discussion for another time. But I think we got to start looking at these series right now. Um, and I, I got a couple picks that I want to give out, but my, I, I want to start with our Cubbies. Um, obviously, we're one game in, and I, I do think they are going to win game one. So I hope I'm hoping I'm right, but I do like. Let's, the, put, let's just tell them we put our money on. The we cup. put our money. We, have, we have uh, back in Hendricks plus one forty nine against Strasburg. So obviously, this game has been played, but I, I think the Cubs take this series um, mainly because one, they've been there, they've done this before. I think the Nationals are a team, like I said, that that really knows how to fold during the biggest moments. And, and this Cubs team, I think, has most of the momentum. And I think, you know... 16 of their last 20, they won. Right. And a team that not many people have been talking about. And the Nationals seem to be one of those teams that always has so much pressure on them. Um, I would say second to the Dodgers, which we will get to in a little bit. But the Nationals, I, I just don't see them really stepping up to the plate, so to speak. And, you know, I like Hendricks. I like Lester, who hasn't had a great season. But, you know, the guy is a bona fide ace, has been his entire career. And we've got Quintana and also Jake Arrieta, who I think will surprise many people who this postseason. could potentially not pitch this series. He could potentially not pitch. I mean, you if, never know, five-game series. If there is a sweep. But that is all the time we have here at the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm. We are also on amfm247.com. We'll be back after the break with more talk on the MLB playoffs. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back. And as Xander was saying, I'm in the desert of Arizona right now, headed up the coast to L.A., very excited to be doing the Sporting Edge on the road again. I'm trying to touch down in every state for the Sporting Edge. But in the meantime, let's go back to the Cubs, who I'm away from this weekend. It's all right because they're in Washington, D.C. anyways. I'm picking the Cubs as well. I know we're a game for a day behind, so the Cubs hopefully have already won this game. <clears throat> but I think in the series, batting, what we've seen so far has been the dictator of winning these playoff games, but it's time for the pitching to come back on. And I'm more than confident with the way the Cubs were able to finish down the stretch. Their pitching has been fantastic. Hendricks, I'm glad, took the bump for game one. And I love the confidence they're showing in John Lester, giving him the game two. Arietta, hopefully, is healthy enough to get back into the rotation. Maybe we'll need him for a game four. Maybe he'll be ready to go for the start of the next series, who is against potentially the Dodgers or the Diamondbacks. And Xander, I know before this we talked about who I might be interested in taking. I like the Diamondbacks in this series. I want to be honest with you. You know what? I, I completely agree. Um, obviously, game one is in the books. I do think the Diamondbacks stole one against Clayton Kershaw and um, the Los Angeles Dodgers. I actually I took them game one, and you know, 265 is way too steep a line for me, even with Kershaw on the mound. But I think this Dodgers team, you know, it, it's hard to break down their entire season because they were so good for uh, the majority, probably three-fourths of the season, and were, were pretty brutal for the last quarter. Um, but I just think the Dodgers are another team that really knows how to fold. They know how to pack up their tent and move on to the next season. And I, I don't think that necessarily changes against the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are a very good team, um, a team that was pretty steady the entire year. They were very good. Obviously, it was hard to catch up to the Dodgers once they were you know, 20 games up in the division. But you know they were almost... They were basically 20 Yet the games Indians up were able to do it. 
Right. They were able to do it, and they, you know, they had to win 27 out of 29 games. So that, that shows you <laughs> what, what kind of a season both of those teams had. But the thing about the Diamondbacks, um, I just think I just think they're going to win. I, I don't really have much to break down about the series uh, besides that I think L.A. starting pitching is going to let them down a little bit. And, you know, I heard a great point. I forgot who was announcing the game, but it was, um, you know, Twins – or excuse me, it was Yankees – Astros game one, or excuse me, Astros Red Sox game one, and they were talking about bullpens and how you know the Yankees have one of the best bullpens in the league, the Cleveland Indians have one of the best bullpens, but he said the key to winning the World Series is you know starting pitching, and I don't care how good your bullpen is, if you're constantly getting in trouble every night with your starting pitching, it will take attacks on your bullpen. I don't care who's in it, so I think the key will be the starting pitching, and I don't think. Arizona starting pitching is going to be stellar, but I have a feeling that Kershaw, Yu Darvish, and Rich Hill are going to kind of let down the Dodgers, put a lot of strain in that bullpen, and I know they've who got... Who Darvish? You... Who Darvish? Who Darvish? No, no, new, no Darvish. I wish there was a rhyme to go with my hatred for you, Darvish. But anyways, <laughs> like you're saying, I think the ball is going to fly in this series. The Dodgers and Diamondbacks, and obviously we are one game behind. So you know what? Maybe we're down one game, but I'm not worried. That was Kershaw's game. I don't feel confident with you, Darvish, in the postseason or Hill. I think, like you said, the Diamondbacks starting rotation is good enough. Are they better than that of the Dodgers? Not on paper, but who knows? You're coming in to a series. You got your first game out of the way. You won the wild card game. Think about the Cubs who did that a couple of years ago, who won the wild card game, came in, lost the first game, and then got hot and beat the Cardinals in the first series. Obviously, they didn't win the World Series that year, but they won that series anyways right after the World or wild card game. I'm feeling the Diamondbacks. I think they're going to hit the lights out of the ball. They've awesome. They've got an awesome batting order, and I think their rotation is going to really step up. I mean, I'm not a grinky guy myself, but I'd love to see Robbie Ray in work or in action. Walker going or went up against Kershaw. Hopefully he came out with a W, but I, again, I'm really liking the Diamondbacks this week or this series, and I'm hoping to see a Diamondbacks-Cubs second round, NLCS. Right, and I, I love Robbie Ray. He was one of the best um, one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball this year, if not one of the best overall. Really does some great stuff. He's going to be the my X factor in this series. He needs to pitch well um, because, like you said, Granky, I mean, was, was humming along. And the wheels fell off in the fourth inning when he had a 6 nothing lead. But we talked about two series in the NL where we are both taking the underdogs in this series. And now I'm going to move to the AL where I think I have no choice after what I've seen after game one. And game two has been played already. But what I, what I saw from game one is that the Houston Astros and Cleveland Indians will be facing off in the ALCS. And here's why. The Cleveland Indians, you know, not only is the starting pitching better, but the bullpen, I think, is a touch better than the Yankees, which is unbelievable. But after game one, you know, Sonny Gray was not good. Cleveland got a win with Trevor Bauer, who some people would argue, I think, that he might be the fourth best starting pitcher on that team, but not as of late. As of late, Trevor Bauer, I think I think he's won like 10 out of his last 11 starts, um, and he's been unbelievable. Pitched a solid six innings for this Cleveland team this game, 4 nothing was really, you know, it could have been 10 nothing. It was not a close game, but I love the Cleveland Indians. They've got so many weapons in that lineup. And Jason Kipnis, a guy who's been a second baseman for his whole career in the major league, moves to center field, playing great. That's where he played in college, but 
Kipnis, you've got Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, who have an out, both have an outside shot to win the MVP. You've got Jay Bruce, who this team has really rallied around since he came to the Cleveland Indians. What about what a pickup Jay Bruce was? What a pickup! I mean, Jay Bruce has been a guy his entire career who I've always thought this is the kind of guy that you get at the deadline who is, you know, he's been a pretty good player. You know, he's probably twenty-five homers, you know, eighty or ninety RBIs, but. You know, a power, a lefty power bat with power to all fields that could make a team like the Cleveland Indians get them to that next step in a winning a World Series, which in my opinion right now, I think the Cleveland Indians are the best team in baseball. And I'm going to say that they have a 2-0 lead because I just don't think CeCe Sabathia is going to take down Corey Kluber. But regardless of the fact, Cleveland Indians, most complete team in baseball in my eyes, and I I would love to see them face off against the Astros in the ALCS. Are you taking the two two favorites in the? I'm AL? taking the two favorites right now, and I know that we've already seen Game One, and in a five game series, you win the first game. That's a huge leg up, but the Red Sox Chris Sale was atrocious, just serving up meatballs that I might have been able to put a bat on, and it was surprising to me. I thought the line was a little cheap. Um, him being a plus one thirty favorite against Verlander, I know Verlander has been extremely hot. And Sale really had not been that great down the stretch. But I was completely wrong. It, the line actually turned out to be a little cheap for the Astros because they just dominated this game. And Jose Altuve became the ninth player in Major League history to hit three home runs in a playoff game and was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it for a while. Sales mentioned how he'd been waiting for 23 years to post him for a pitch in the postseason. It's his first time in the postseason, I think, He's going to stay with this Boston team that is young, that is vibrant, that's going to have a lot of opportunities in the future. But like you said, the Astros are the Astros right now, as well as the Indians being the Indians. They're the two best teams, arguably, in baseball. I think the AL is dominant this year. I really don't think the Red Sox have much of a chance getting back into this, as well as the Yankees. You mentioned it. We're a game behind, but CC versus Kluber, you might, I would have seen a line that was minus 500. I don't <laughs> think CC has a shot in hell of winning that game. Again, we could be wrong. You'd be listening to us on Saturday, and CC Sabathia threw a perfect game, and we're just dumbfounded. But I'm going to go with you. We took the two underdogs in the NL. I'm feeling the two favorites in the AL. I think it'll be a great matchup seeing the Astros versus the Indians. They're really two power teams. They've got a great offense while also having, like you said, a great starting rotation. And it could come down to the relief pitching, and that is the area the Indians will dominate in. And that does scare me going down the line in terms of if there is a rematch, Cubs-Indians, I think the Indians will be very fired up. The, and the atmosphere will be electric. It'll be a tough World Series if we do get that rematch down the line. Is, is that what you're calling right now? Are, you, are we going to see another Cubs-Indians rematch in the 2017 nope. season? No, no, no. I'm, I'm still alive. I know you have the Mets, man, <laughs> but I still have my Cubs-Astros pick from the beginning of the year. I think Cubs-Astros is still very much on the table because like I said, it could come down to pitching. Well, the Astros lineup is unbelievably challenging. Look at Altuve himself yesterday, really putting the team on the back Bregman with a home run as well. They still got Springer Correa and everybody else on that lineup to just take their shots at the Indians where they can. I'm still keeping my pick at the Astros and the Cubs will meet in the World Series. All right, so you heard it here. Roz, his original pick is still alive. Cubs Astros. My pick is not but I'm going to reformat. I'm going to go with Cubs-Indians um, back-to-back World Series. And 
I'm not going to give you my winner yet because we are still in the DS. We've got a long way to go, but that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you can find us on libertytalk.fm or amfm247.com, and we'll catch you at the big. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report. Bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Lady, the cow guy, is seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge, and we have some sad news. We had to put down Old Yeller this week. Tennessee is no more. No longer will they. We be, can't back them anymore. They, they will no longer be taken by the Sporting Edge after that dreadful performance against Georgia at home. Thought me and both Roz both thought this team had some things working for them. I know that loss to Florida was extremely tough, but Josh Dormandy. I mean, atrocious. This tennis, the effort that they put out on that football field was disgraceful. And there's plenty of other words that I can't really say on the radio that I would like to call Tennessee, but we'll leave it at that. Georgia, on the other hand, I think we've got to give them a little credit. They moved to 5-0, and um, ranked in the top 10. Dominating 5-0 and so far. A dominating 5-0. and Georgia was a team I liked. I took them against Notre Dame, against you. I was a Sally and didn't take them a couple weeks ago. I liked Tennessee the last week, but like you said, we called them our little brother. They were adopted, so to be honest, we don't actually love them that we're much. We're putting them back in anyway, foster care. We're putting them back in foster care. But I like Georgia. I think they're legitimate. Now, how legitimate is legitimate in college football? Because I think there's tears. I think they're making a name for themselves. They're building up their program once again. They're undefeated at this point and have been dominating in terms of their victories, blowing out teams. But what happens when they do play the Alabamas of the world? They're, I mean, they're still going to have to go through Florida, and who I know you don't like and I definitely don't like. They, the SEC is a challenging, challenging test. They're doing what they need to be doing so far. They're on the road this week against Vanderbilt. But Georgia definitely has been making a statement up until this point. It's only going to get harder for Georgia down the road. Right. I the, actually think the exact same thought as you. Georgia has looked great so far. And I don't want to say they've played an easy schedule because, you know, they, they faced off against Notre Dame. They were ranked 24 at the time. Mississippi State was ranked 17th. And Tennessee is usually a decent team. But looking at their, their body of work as a whole, I just I don't know if Mississippi State and Tennessee are good teams. I mean, you know, our opinions shift every week, but what we're learning from the Bulldogs and the Volunteers is that they really are not as good as we thought. And what does that mean for Georgia? I don't know. I mean, they they put a beat down on both of them. But I agree with what you said. What happens when they play the likes of Florida? They're going to have to play Auburn. Um, you know, South Carolina. That will be a tough game. And. 
I, I just want to see Georgia. Georgia needs to shine when the lights are the brightest, which is a, which is a thing under Mark Rick that they were never able to do. I mean, I just remember so many times they were they were right there at the end and they just got spanked by Alabama. You know, they get spanked by another SEC team. So I'll I'll put Georgia. I'll put them in the top tier right now. But we've got a lot of football left to play. But I think you know, let's move on. Uh, recap a few of my other picks. Mississippi State, like I just said, garbage. Lost forty nine to ten to Auburn. Auburn was obviously worth the nine points that they were giving, and that's all I'll say about that game. Clemson. You're being tough on yourself right now. I'm being and tough because I'm, I'm saving go, the best nice, for last. Remember, you're 11, you're 11 and 7, whereas I have fallen to a dreadful 9 and 9. Well, you could be 0 and 18, so things could be worse. But we were both on the Clemson train last week, and we've been on the Clemson train all year, and they have not disappointed. There's no reason not to be on this train. I mean, number two in the nation right now. They've been playing some spectacular football. We said last week minus 7.5 was kind of a tough line. That half point is always tough. But facing a young and inexperienced but pretty good Virginia Tech team, they came out and stomped on them. 31-17, not indicative of how these two teams played. I mean, Virginia Tech scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. But Kelly Bryant, but more specifically, this Clemson defense came out to play, and they they just romped all over Virginia Tech was not a close game, and another really good showing by Clemson. Yeah, I'm all on board with this Clemson team, and I think it's time they move to the SEC. Maybe they are picking a little bit on these ACC opponents. I mean, we just saw Louisville go down to NC State, and that's nothing against NC State, but they're not a prestigious program in terms of college football. And I think that it was a great win for them at home, beating Louisville. But Louisville was really that next top-of-the-line competition and the ACC, really Clemson, I think, is just going to roll through their schedule the rest of the way. I know they do play South Carolina at the end, but we'll see how that all goes. I think they're on track, once again, not only to be in the playoffs, but to make the, the college football championship. Yeah, I would be very down for a rematch because right now, as I see it, these are the two best teams in college football. And I said I was going to save my best pick for last. And if all you were listening last Saturday, I said Washington State was not only going to cover, but they were going to win straight up against the Trojans, and they came through. Field goal with a minute 40 left. They won 30-27 to against Sam Darnold and USC. Luke Falk was unbelievable, played a fantastic game. Washington State wins straight up, and Sam Darnold struggled again, went 15-29 of 29 for 164 yards and an interception, did run for two touchdowns, but I'm going to play a little devil, devil's advocate here this week because I think Sam Darnold, um, I think he's still worthy of a top pick, Ugh. but with, with three, three starting offensive linemen out for this USC Trojans team, I think you know people will realize the value of an offensive line, and when you don't have a good one, it really shows because a guy as good as Ugh. Sam Darnold can get pressured in the pocket and continually um, you know, face a collapsing offensive line. It's tough to win like that. But He's a poor man's, poor man's, third poor man's generation Brett Favre right now can sling the ball can get a little rowdy can maybe run a little bit here and there but the interceptions are way too frequent for him to be considered a top ranked quarterback especially coming into this draft I the timing the offensive line that's fine some of his throws rushed some of his throws just nowhere in the vicinity of those receivers I'm not a Darnold guy anymore he looks like a bus and he's on the struggle bus so he is in some trouble. He needs to fit. If, here's what they can do, what USC always does. They take their loss, 
you assume they're out of the college football playoffs, and they can run the table. Yet, again, I don't think they'll be at the caliber where the committee will put them in the playoffs. That's just the new trend for USC. They always come out hot, rank them super high in preseason, then they lose, and then they go hot down the stretch again, only to fall short as usual. I'm not on the Sam Darnold trend. In fact, I don't think he should leave college after this year because it's been a poor showing. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't trust my franchise to start with Sam Darnold after next year. That's just my opinion. I could be a little tough. Maybe I'm a little salty with the way college football has been going in L.A. We don't have a lot of great results from Josh Rose in UCLA, and we don't have a lot of great results from Sam Darnold at USC. It's been a tough going, Xander. That is true, but we can turn it around this week with some picks. I've got three picks, and I don't know how many you've got, but I'll let you start us off. I've got three as well. You've got three and as well. I am going to start us off because I'm, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Okay. As we talk about struggle buses and Sam Bus Darnold and – now I'm throwing you under the bus, all right? Okay. You loved Washington State. I did. You got on your hoopla, you're throwing your hoopla love, but me and you are going head-to-head this week, and I'm taking Washington State because you fell off their bandwagon. The bandwagon, I only I rode it for as long as I needed to, and like you said, I am on the other side. I'm taking Oregon plus 2.5 at home versus the Cougars. Main reason, this is Washington State's first trip on the road the entire year. Oregon is one of the toughest places to play in the entire country, and a lot of injuries for both these teams, but I think Oregon wins this game straight up, and the fairy tale that is Washington State will come to an end today. All right, you know what? I'm not feeling you. I'm feeling the Cougars now. I think USC still is defensively a strong team, all around a strong team, and they proved that by beating USC. Very impressive game. I know it was at home. First road game, yeah, you take your road test. Let's go. We're playing an unranked Oregon. I know they're 4-1. and one. They go in. I think they're going to do what they did similar to USC, and that's win by double digits. So I'm all on board for Washington State this week. It is only 2.5, which I kind of like. It makes it rest easy. Really, all I'm worried about is winning the game. Of course, we could have another Kentucky-Florida <laughs> debacle again where I lose by – half a point but you know what we're gonna we're gonna stay positive and i'm gonna ride the washington state train right. and the rest of the way me and you have the same picks we do um and for all you who forget out there i am the underdog maestro so when i take an underdog you guys better be listening and i'm taking another one along with what Roz said we're taking the florida state seminoles plus three at home versus the miami hurricanes on paper I think you could say that Miami would win this game very easily, and that is exactly why I'm taking Florida State. I don't think many people are giving them a chance. This is a game they really shouldn't win, but I think they will. Both these teams, you look at them, they've done a very good job this year of protecting the ball, which is Florida State definitely needs to do that because losing their starting quarterback in the first game was not a part of a plan. But James Blackman has no interceptions through two games, and Malik Rozier from... Miami has also been very good. Roz, you've got about 15 seconds left. Give me your breakdown of the game. Yeah, I'm going FSU. I think it's time for this young kid to step up. They're at home. Time to beat an in-state rival. As well as, I think you give them our last pick. We're taking Michigan minus 10 against Michigan State. Just that rivalry matchup and the big Michigan Wolverines will come through again for us. Yep, Michigan first first in uh, the Big Ten in total yards, defense, run defense, pass defense. Less than 14 points a game. There's not much not to like. I see this game playing out very similarly to the Purdue game. And John O'Korn, I think, is going to show a lot of people why he should have been the starting quarterback in the first place. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. You miss a show, 
find us on libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. We'll be back to talk the National Football League. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge, and we saved the best for last, the National Football League, which has been extremely tough to pick this year because these teams... Unless do- you're the Oracle, Mr. Rosenzweig. Mr. Rosenzweig is 10-4. I give him Oracle. a lot of credit. I also give myself a little credit. I went 2-0 last week. I'm 6-8 and on the year after a 1-5 and start. So it's been a bit of a comeback, and the underdog maestro... Transitive property to the NFL. I had the Rams plus five versus the Dallas Cowboys last week. Not much else you can say about Jared Goff and Todd Gurley besides that they are unbelievable, having a fantastic MVP season. MVP seasons, and Greg Zerline goes seven for seven from the stripe. Field goals, uh, one of the best games ever by a kicker. Um, Also had the Bengals minus three versus the Browns, and the Bengals, as I predicted, are riding a ship. And that brings me right into my first pick. I'm sticking with redheaded Randy, Andy Dalton. Minus three versus the Buffalo Bills. The Bengals are at home. And the Bills have more or less, I don't want to say shocked, but I I think a lot of people are surprised with how well they've been playing this year. I mean, the, the Rex Ryan regime was supposed to bring the defensive mindset to this football team, and I think it just happened to regime too late, but not bad for the Bills. They've had one of the best defenses in the NFL this year, but my take on the game is that the Bengals start out hot, and one thing I don't think the Bills are meant to do is come from behind, because Tyrod Taylor has been very solid this season, only throwing for 190 yards a game, but he's doing exactly what he needs to do to win football games for this Bills team. On the other hand, I think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. I am sticking to that. Whether that ends up in flames, like my New York Mets, I don't know. But I think the Bengals have a very good football team. And I, again, am going to rely on a very good defensive tackle for the Bengals. And Geno Atkins, one of the best in the league. Talked about Aaron Donald last week for the Rams. I don't know how much he helped. They gave up 30 points. But, again, I I think this Bengals team is going to come out and pretty handedly beat down this Buffalo Bills team that I think a lot of people are riding high on. I know you're on the other side of the game, so tell me why the Buffalo Bills are going to win this game or cover. They're plus three. Well, they're not going to be as atrocious as it was to hear Boomer Sooner on calling baseball games, let me tell you. But I will circle <laughs> back, the back, wagon. I will circle the wagon of the Buffalo Bills this week. You're all about the I Kool-Aid, the blue Kool-Aid. You've been drinking a lot of it this blue, year. This season and this year has been a blue year in a – in a good way, because I know blue can be associated with depression and other mellow senses of the word. But I'm going the Bills. I think the Bills' defense will be able to handle that of the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's be honest here. The Bengals winning and the Bengals scoring that was against the Cleveland Browns. It was against the Packers, whose defense was completely injured almost. It was almost like they were putting in their practice squad. I'm not, on, I'm not sold on Andy Dalton. Tyler Eifert's going to be out again. I know Tyler Croft really came in. Had a kind of a career game. I'm not really expecting that again. I think the defense is going to be it's going to be a low scoring affair. Okay. Let's just put it at that. Yeah, over under is 39 see... and a half, so it is it is predicted to be pretty low scoring. Exactly, and I think that's what it's going to be. And it won't have to be a come from behind effort from Tyrod Taylor. I think he's going to win comfortably again on the road. They've been super impressive. I mean, obviously beating the Broncos and then last week getting their win as well. I think the Bills have been just one of those. 
kind of great feel-good stories. But I do have a but there, Xander. They're going to fall off, of course, at the end of the season. Typical to the Buffalo Bills, but it's still early. It's still exciting up in Buffalo. And I think they go down to Cincinnati, which has been friendly to opposing teams. I mean, I remember a couple years ago I went in there and the Cleveland Browns felt like it was home field for them as they came in and just swept away the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals aren't great in Cincinnati. I think that's one of the best places you can go to play as a road team. I'm feeling good about Tyrod Taylor going into Cincinnati. Yeah, it should be a a very good game, but I agree with you. The Bills, I think, will fall off. I think the Patriots take this division like they've done for the past 100 years. Kind of rivals the Atlanta Braves in the 90s. Well, you better get your two cents in about the Patriots because I'm upset about them. I know they they won me money last night, but I am upset about the Patriots. I'm kind of indifferent right now. I think they will figure it out. Their defense, which had been, you know, a stomping grounds for opposing quarterbacks, given up like 300 yards and basically two or three touchdowns a game to each guy, uh, held Jameis Winston in check until the end of the game. Still ended up with over 300 yards, but a lot better effort from that defense. And I think Tom Brady, uh, for how the game played out, for how much he was hit and pressured and hurried, I thought played well overall. I think he did enough to win that game. You put the you put the ball in the hands of the, one of the best kickers in the league, and Stefan Guskowski. He came through. It was three for three. Um, but I got one more pick for this week. That is the Tennessee Titans minus one versus the Miami Dolphins. And I don't know if Marcus Mariota. God, this should be a this should be a ten point spread. I don't. Well, the thing is, we don't know if Marcus Mariota is going to play right now. But regardless of whether he plays or not. I think this Dolphins team is not the team we saw in week one. I think it's the team that we saw in weeks two and three. And I have a feeling that Mariota is going to play. He's been limited all week. But you know what? I think this Titans team, whether it's Matt Castle or if Brandon Whedon gets under center, I think this Titans team is better than the Dolphins. And even going on the road, I'm taking Tennessee minus one. Don't have much to say about the game because, you know, without Mariota, it's it's kind of tough to visualize how this game is going to play out. But for me, the Miami Dolphins are not a good football team, and the Tennessee Titans will win this game. No, I feel you, and I, I love that pick. I didn't obviously go that route. Is my other pick is the battle of the winless. It's going to be an exciting game. I'm very excited. you got to be taking New York. I know you're eight. taking New York. I'm taking New York, minus three, against the now Los Angeles Chargers. Should have stayed the San Diego Chargers, but it's fine. Traveling East Coast like that, you've seen the results. You see how difficult it is. Oakland going out to Washington was just an absolute crap shit show, as we put it, for Derek Carr. I'm feeling good. I think Eli Manning doesn't go 0-5. I know they went 0-6 a couple years ago, and everyone can keep telling me that, but it's not going to happen again. Eli Manning is going to come in, win this game, definitely by more than three. The Chargers are the worst team to me outside of the Miami Dolphins. Now, can they score? Yes. Do they have weapons? Yes. They're the least clutch team I've ever seen. They've blown more games in the fourth quarter than I've ever seen. For the past, like, Phillip five Rivers, years. It's been terrible. It is, and the Philip Rivers Hall of Fame talks, I, they should not be allowed. It should not, <laughs> that should be illegal. Just like other things in this country, you can't drink under 21. You can't smoke cigarettes until you're 18. You can't drive until you're 16. You can't put Philip Rivers in the Hall of Fame. You can't. I don't care what the statistics show. He's not a winner. He's not a Hall of Fame quarterback that you put on a team and they instantly win games because he's been there forever. I understand that he had some nice AFC championship runs, 
I really don't like the Chargers. I really don't think this is a good team. They're going to be going to 0-5, and the winless streak will be over for the Giants after this week. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't think the Giants are going to fall to 0-5, and, and the Chargers, like you said, have been notorious for not coming through in the clutch, and just in general. They are 0-4 right now. We've got about a minute left, and we got to say our farewells to some kickers. Uh, Koo, I don't, don't want to butcher his first name, of the San Diego Chargers has been cut. They signed Nick Novak the other day, and I think Nick Folk, if the notification doesn't come his, up, if it doesn't come up on my phone today, um, Nick Folk will be cut by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One of the more brutal performances by a kicker I have ever seen. Um, total lack of confidence in what he's been doing. Hope they pick up Cairo Santos. He is on my, uh, my fantasy team on my rotisserie league. So I'm hoping that he comes through. But Rizzi, Santos is on the IR. Well, the Chiefs cut him. He might be able to come back in week seven or eight. We've still got a couple weeks in between, so we might have to bring back Aguayo for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But that is all the time That'd we be have a sweet here little thing. for the Sporting Edge, everybody. We got MLB playoffs for the next month. Going to be super exciting. Like I said, the NHL started off with a bang. Blackhawks with a huge win over the defending champion Pittsburgh Penguins on night number one. We've got NBA coming up pretty soon. We're going to hear some college basketball talks. And obviously, we have our two favorites, NCAA football and the NFL. But And the all, Packers League. And the Packers League. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll have another great show coming up next week. But enjoy Saturday. Enjoy Sunday. And I hope you all have a great week. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Bye-bye, everyone. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.